0: Oh, it's another big episode. But first, Andy, what are we getting into today?
1: Giants' flurry of free agency signings. We're talking about the only players that the Giants can select at number four. And then we're going to throw out who's left on the free agent market the Giants should want.
0: Lock it in, friends. But first, drop that brass. Welcome back to One Giant Podcast. As always, I'm Adam Armbrecht, and over there is Andy Makowitz. Adam, excited for today. It's a big one. You know, listen, you may think that just because free agency is winding down and there's there's not a lot of big name action going on out there that we're not going to have a lot to bring you. But that's just not true, friends. the uh, The Giants make a couple of, we'll call them, Uh, I can't say a splash, but, but the water rippled certainly over the last couple of days for the New York Giants. And on top of that, we also have still some free agency options that are out there for the Giants to fill some needs. And then maybe on the back end of this episode, we're going to take, again, a look at this draft and try to figure out, really at the top of it, where the Giants plan to go. But first and foremost is, of course, that the Giants bring in one new player and then also bring back a familiar face. Uh, Corey Coleman at wide receiver returns on a one-year deal and then uh, well well, first of all how do you feel about Corey Coleman because the second one unfortunately is a little damning for you and I
1: well so we'll start with Corey Coleman I think he proved to be a good depth piece uh, when we picked him up mid-season a couple years ago obviously torn ACL last year didn't play at all Um, Giants had a first-hand look at his rehabilitation so they know what type of player they're getting. If he was in the building and, and wants to work hard, you know the, the numbers are probably going to be just under a million dollars, probably you know veteran minimum, whatever it's going to be. I'm I'm okay with that signing. I, I guess I I'm just a little confused, Adam. You know when we talk about what our wide receiving core is going to be, we basically have Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton locked into the the top three positions. Then you know we signed Cody Core for because of his special teams ability, and now we have Corey Coleman on the roster. So that's that's five right there. So presumably, you know, we have different guys like Cody Latimer. Uh, Jamari Scott has a has a non guaranteed contract. You know, are we going with six wide receivers? Are are we not taking any wide receiver flyers in the depth? You know, in the draft when this is considered one of the deepest wide receiver draft pools ever, I I'm just. I'm just like after our top three, I'm kind of just questioning what, what we're doing a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we'll,
0: we'll talk about it when it comes to the second signing here for the Giants in free agency as well. But in terms of, you know, Coleman, I think obviously depth, the special teams prowess, I think is an important side of this as well, because you know that he can be involved in the return game. So even though you mentioned Cody Core, he's a gunner. On, you know, on punts and kickoffs obviously he's not a return man for you so Coleman can provide that and then if healthy and he can get on the field for you I, I do think he provides a nice option for the Giants in terms of just pure speed blow the top off the defense and hopefully open up the middle of the field a bit more for the likes of Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard even you know, Slayton, if he's going to come over the middle, obviously we highlighted last episode about Evan Ingram and, you know, where he might get utilized and some of the space that Coleman can help create. You know, I think he's, he's more talented than the contract is going to tell you, but unfortunately he just has had one of those all too familiar NFL careers where it doesn't quite pan out. I I don't know the impact that this has on the giants going into the draft. I think they've checked another box in terms of making sure you have the available bodies I'd be so curious to be inside the war room. Everyone knows, right? You've been you've been busting my chops about loving uh, Chase Claypool so much that I'm willing to take him at the top of the second round if that's a possibility. But I don't know inside the war room, as they say, where how the Giants feel about that position. Do they do they need to address it? You know, they feel like they need to address it in the first three rounds or in a, in a very deep class of wide receivers. Do they think yes, we want a body, but just like. You know, uh, just like we got Slayton last year, we can go in later and get a guy in the fifth or sixth round.
1: Well, uh, that's why I'm curious to see what the contract looks like for Corey Coleman. Is it fully guaranteed? Is it non-guaranteed? Mm-hmm. You know, th- Those things actually do matter because it. it if it's a non-guaranteed contract to, to Corey Coleman and it's a roster bonus or becomes guaranteed if he's on the roster September 1st, great. No harm, no foul, right? It's basically like a, a lotto ticket where if he – looks great in the preseason and, you know, makes the roster that w- will pay him accordingly. You know, if it's a, if it's a guaranteed contract for over a million, then what you're saying is you basically have four wide receivers that you're, you're locking in to the roster week one, plus Cody core, who's listed as a wide receiver, but only has about three or four catches last year. I, I, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, there's only 53 men on a, on a roster, Adam. Mm-hmm. When you, when, when you're saying, you know, that's five already, two of them, you know, have a lot of question marks in terms of core as a wide receiver, in terms of Coleman with his health, you know, then we're talking really, you know, we're going to have to carry six wide receivers right out of the gate. And that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially again, you don't know. We all like
0: that. We all like to say that we're a fan of golden Tate, but we also see the redundancy of him there with Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard, who we all love, but know that has had tremendous amount of health issues last year. And then and really the biggest type of injury concerns, which is, you know, the concussion. So there's a lot, a lot of uncertainty there. And that's why I do think that maybe wide receiver could be a sneaky, important position for the giants when it comes to this draft, whenever they choose to address it, they may identify a guy in the middle to late rounds that they believe can come in and fill that need for them and really help to fill out that, that wide receiver room. And to your point, that could be the thing where Coleman's there just in case. And if the draft pans out, maybe Coleman, I think, would probably be the first guy to fall, fall by the wayside. Though, as people have pointed out a lot on uh, social media, and you just mentioned, you know, Cody Core, while I like him, he's not a receiver, right? He's a special teamer. And I think that that's very important. It's important to have those have those players available for you there. But if you're not going to be able to contribute in – you know, on the offensive side of the ball, then you have to consider him being maybe a slightly more expendable part. So it's going to be interesting to see how the giants play that out. I'm still at at this stage of things, mildly concerned about what's going to go on in the wide receiver group, because I still think that you want to have, you know, another dynamic player or a young player with some high upside to really help build out that room so that, you know, you have flexibility, especially when it comes to injuries with some of these guys.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, to to wrap up the Corey Coleman signing, we've kind of gone into the the depth charts a little bit on this one. But I just think, you know, you're starting to plan for the future. If next year isn't necessarily um, the year that you think you're going to be competing for a Super Bowl, as, you know, they've shown through the way that they've structured contracts, you know, is Golden Tate going to be on the roster next year? I would probably say the chances are 50-50 that he'll even be on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, is Sterling Shepard, you know, so many inj- injury concerns with the concussions, is he going to be able to be productive and, and, and really work through a full season? Is Darius Slayton going to be able to build upon things, or did he catch everyone by surprise, and now if he gets doubled, that it's going to be a challenge? I just think at some point we're going to have to continue, like you said, to, to refill the high upside bucket of those wide receiver fours and fives that may be young and inexperienced that can break out like Slayton did last year.
0: Yeah, and by the way, Slayton, like you said, you know it's going to be on Sterling Shepard, on Golden Tate, on Evan Ingram, on Corey Coleman, on any of these players. Slayton's going to probably get treated like the true number one on this roster this upcoming season. So that's going to be a new experience for him in a lot of ways. So still a lot to learn about the wide receiver core heading into the upcoming year. On the other side of the signing, still on the offensive side of the ball, <laughs> Andy, I got, a, I got a big old slice of a humble pie filled with eat crow. Uh, we, we, we talked about the running backs free agency on the last episode, wonder where the Giants might go, looking for some depth, some in-between the tackle strength. Uh, we brought up Deion Lewis. We both said, Puh, I couldn't even imagine. And lo and behold, of course, he signs a one-year deal. A details not disclosed yet, but he does sign a one-year deal with the New York football Giants. So he is the first component of depth behind Saquon Barkley. Initial reaction, obviously we, we, we both said he doesn't represent what we thought we needed in terms of a, a power back between the tackles, but still examining him just as a weapon and an asset
1: in this offense, how do you feel? So I'm not ready to eat crow just yet. Oh, okay. if, we, if we think about it, when the Giants signed Jonathan Stewart to that two and a half million dollar deal to back up Saquon Barkley, we all went, what? 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 Jonathan Stewart? He's still even in the league. And, you know, we would have said before they, they signed Jonathan Stewart that it would be a bad signing for the Giants, and that proved to be true. I like Deion Lewis as a player. I think he brings a unique dimension to the field. He can get out in space. You know, he's, he's a very small in stature. He's shifty, um, you know, but he's really great at catching balls out of the backfield. He can catch people uh, by surprise in the run game on some of those third and seven, third and eights where they can throw a draw play and he can make people miss. So I do like his skill set. Again, I don't know if it necessarily fully complements what Saquon Barkley can do. Obviously, Saquon is a is a very capable pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, you know, Dion Lewis was kind of paired up with with Derrick Henry last year, and that's the kind of uh, duo that I picture Dion Lewis being a part of. One guy that's a bruiser that can really get down the field and and and, and knock people around, and he kind of compliments on, on that shifty third down guy that we need out of the backfield. So. I'm I'm lukewarm on the signing. I I like the player, but I'm not sure if I really like the fit. Well,
0: see, so and again, because I I think we we move past them so quickly when we're talking about it. And it isn't about liking him or, or not liking him as a player because I do as well. You go back last year, maybe is a bit of the anomaly uh, given the fact that Henry really starts to become the bell cow there with Tannenhill under center Tennessee, you know, really gears themselves to be put the ball in Henry's hands and get the heck out of the way. So, you know, Dion Lewis's opportunities are a little bit truncated there. The year prior though, you go back to 2018, listen, this is a guy who got his hand on the ball 155 times, ran for 517 yards. It's only 3 3.3 yards per carry, so not blowing your doors off, but in that same season came up with 59 catches, gave you 400 yards, that's nearly 7 yards per catch. You know, you go back that year prior, similar kind of numbers, much stronger in the run game averaging 5 yards a carry, had almost 900 yards back in 2017, that's for New England and came up with 35 Uh, Sorry, 32 catches for a couple hundred yards. And again, rating that just about seven yards per catch average. The way that I look at it, when you talk about him complimenting Saquon Barkley, I still actually think that he is a compliment to him. And I think that this signing becomes the first part of a two-part plan to build your running back room. And what I mean is Deion Lewis blocks well in pass protection so it means that you can take Saquon Barkley off the field on some third down plays because even though obviously he's a threat out of the backfield as well Barkley depending on what the down and distance is and whether or not maybe you've gone two runs in a row and you want to give Barkley a breather you're putting on a and you're in a longer passing down you put on a quality back who can pass protect we know Barkley maybe it was the injury but struggled a little bit in pass protection this past season And then you still have a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield that does have a little bit of cut and speed quickness. So you're giving the first component of it. And then, again, just to briefly touch on it, somewhere later in the draft, that's where I think the Giants look to bring in a physical back that, again, is strong in pass protection and runs between the tackles. And what you're you're really doing is setting it up for, if you're the Giants – you're going to have the number two overall pick that you took in Saquon Barkley, and you believe, Dave Gettleman, that he is a gold jacket-wearing running back, then you got to protect him, right? Had some of these injuries creep up on him this past season. So what you really want to do is you want to get more out of him from less. You know, less touches, less between the tackle running for him, more out in space, more opportunities to make guys miss, to use that quickness. And then, yes, use those bruising uh, thighs that are the size of my entire body to to really pummel some defenses at times, but I think this this has to be the idea of we want to protect Saquon Barkley, so whether it's in the early stages of the season or throughout, he just gets an opportunity to still get his 20 to 25 touches a game but put him in a position where he isn't, as we saw last year, right, scrambling around in the backfield, getting caught up, legs underneath him, turning an ankle, et cetera. So I, I think that this is the first part of that. I, I'm not against the signing. I like his pass protection ability from Lewis. And now it's just about who is the third running back in that group that is going to
1: allow you to have a bruiser for those short yard gains. I, I got to say, I, I have to disagree. I look at this and I I kind of throw a question mark up when I saw it, I said, why? And, and the reason for me is pretty simple. One is this signing essentially says that Wayne Gallman, you're no longer in our plans. Jonathan Hillman, thanks for filling in a game or two last year. You're no longer in our plans. And yes, we obviously now need a third running back. When I don't really understand why we had to go this route. Like like you said, Saquon Barkley. But no one's proven, though. No one's proven. Wayne Gallman's not a proven commodity on this roster. And like, you know, Hilleman, I don't
0: mind, but he's a practice squad guy right now. You see what happens with him. But you don't have any, you have no veteran presence beyond, you know, Saquon Barkley's your guy, and that's great. But you have nobody else that has
1: experience, true NFL experience. But Saquon Barkley is the type of guy that doesn't run through the tackles and grind out four yards, five yards. He's a guy that looks to make the big play, get outside, and use his athletic ability and his agility to be able to make huge plays. Deion Lewis does not solve the problem of a guy running up the middle, getting it up the gut, making that four or five-yard game when when we need to really burn the clock and milk the clock. He just adds another pass-catching ability that Saquon already has. Now what we're saying is we're waving a flag that says we have to draft another running back to complement these two because now we don't have that person. We now have a glaring hole. If we said that we were going to sign a veteran between the tackles running back on a veteran minimum deal, I would look at it and say, okay, we've got Saquon Barkley who can get outside. He can catch the ball. He can take something for 75 yards down the sideline. Perfect. Okay. We want to, we want to spell him. When it gets later in the game, we want to have trust in someone that can hold on to the football and run it down the middle. That is not Deion Lewis. And now what we're saying is, okay, we're going to draft a guy in the fifth round. We're going to say you're going to be that guy. To me, that that is a huge question mark. Well, uh, uh, yes, I mean, you're
0: not saying that he has to be that guy. I mean, like, listen, if Saquon Barkley is still there, Saquon Barkley can still run between the tackles. It's just, about, it's just about taking three or four carries off of Saquon Barkley's plate over the course of a game, maybe. If you take three in-between-the-tackle carries at random points in the game, not when you need to run the clock out, that's when Saquon's in there and he's doing it, whether it's between the tackles or going on the outside you know, and getting around that edge for the Giants three carries a game over a 16-game season, you know? You're talking about taking 50 carries off of his plate, specifically bruising carries between the tackles. That's what, that's what a rookie running back is going to have to accomplish for them and or, not that this is likely, but, you know, you talk about you dip in free agency, you get Lewis on a one-year deal. We had highlighted a guy like Frank Gore. Okay, maybe you go maybe, – maybe you sign Frank Gore to a one-year, one-year veteran minimum deal to come in and be the guy between the tackles for you. And now you just put two veteran guys, one that does receiving and pass blocking, another that runs between the tackles and pass blocks, and you have them compliment Saquon Barkley. I I think that's unlikely. And again, they will go draft. And to your point, it does at least put a little bit more of an emphasis on what we want to get one more body in the room. Theoretically, Wayne Gallman maybe could still be in the mix. I don't see that being likely because he just never shown, you know, a little bit of injury issues, not great at any one area of the game per se. So you go into the draft, you know I Talking about, okay, you want to invest the fifth round pick at four in the running back of your choosing that are all going to be available in that mix. You know, by that stage of the draft, you've already had, your first four rounds to address some other key areas of need, I'm fine with taking the guy that you like there and addressing that. But, you know, I don't want to overstate that just because you want to have the complimentary backs for Saquon Barkley, it doesn't mean that, hey, man, on, on the third and short when you need to get those couple of yards, yeah, you're still going to stick Saquon Barkley in there in the fourth quarter to kill that clock.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. There's something that, that I'm not a huge fan of this signing. Like I said before, I like Dion Lewis. I think he's a an exciting player, and, and he does bring a, a unique perspective where he, he's a very diminutive figure, but he can get outside, and he's very shifty. I just, you know, unless we get someone, I mean, maybe this is the plan. You know, we talked about it on a podcast many moons ago, but the guy that I like towards the back end is the Boston College running back, A.J. Dillon. You want mm-hmm. to talk about a guy that's, that's super strong, that has quick speed, that could – run the ball up the gut when we need to spell Saquon a little bit. If we're saying in the fifth round that, that he's available and then that's our, that's our room. I feel a lot more comfortable, but as of, as it stands right now, I don't think Wayne Gallman's the answer. And I feel like we still have a, a hole that we need to definitely address during the draft.
0: And I took like, take a look at my boy DJ Dallas there in the later rounds out of Miami. He's my, he's my guy that I, that I want, I want the giants to get a look he's at. He's your Barry's... AJ
1: Dillon. He's your AJ Dillon.
0: He is my AJ. Yeah. He's my AJ Dylan. When I, when I lay my head down on the pillow at night, and I think about playing. What was that? Uh, dream date. What was that? That game, knock at your door. Yeah, what was that? No, I gotta sidetrack here for a second. Uh, my sister used to play with her friends. You oh, know? like
1: Dream Match or something. I know. Oh, yeah, 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 about.
0: yeah. You know, and then and then behind the door, and it turns out it was Andy, you know? Yeah. And some people are disappointed. Some people don't love the look. Other people think about, you know, they project down the road. This guy's intelligent, gonna have a strong career. But I don't think that, that was the point of it for teen girls at the time. Anyway, the bottom line is we'll see how it pans out. DJ Dallas is my guy, AJ Dillon for you in those later rounds. But we both agree Giants are going to need to do something just to compliment and have a young running back in that group behind now Saquon Barkley and obviously
1: complimenting there with Deion Lewis. Well, Adam, one thing that I can tell you for certain is that with the first pick in the NFL draft for the New York Giants, they will not be selecting a running back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they will not. That is one of the few things that we can check off the list to say it's not on the table for Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants, which I think kind of leads into an interesting uh, question that I have for you is we can cross off running back. There's no way that at number four, the New York Giants are selecting a running back. Now, let's say that the New York Giants stay with the fourth pick in the draft. And I know that everyone loves to trade scenarios. We both agree that trading back gives us more assets and provides us value for what we need. But Jerry Reese never traded back in the first round as, as the GM of the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman, as the GM of the Carolina Panthers in five years, never traded back. Dave Gettleman has not traded back as the GM of the New York Giants. There is no indication that the New York Giants will be trading back the fourth pick in the NFL draft. Never say so, never. So I will turn to you, Adam, <laughs> and I will say, with the fourth pick in the NFL draft, how many players can Giants fans realistically – put a circle around to say, with 99% certainty, this is the list of players that we are choosing from. Yeah,
0: you know, the interesting thing, and we talked about it before we started going, this is the reasonable approach to take that assume the Giants stay at four. Because just philosophically, the organization, Dave Gettleman, they believe that the talent level is there, so you take the best player that's available for you. One of the interesting things when, when you look over some of the big boards out there, and you can go to Todd McShay, go to Mel Kiper as the, you know, you want to call them the celebrity ones or just the really no, names of note. When you go to big boards and they just talk about ranking players, regardless of position, not about projecting where they're going to get drafted. You know, Andrew Thomas at the tackle position is still the highest ranked tackle. He's not the highest projected tackle to get drafted, but he still ranks as the highest tackle. And for both Uh, you know, McShay and for Kuiper, it's a mid first round grade on him in terms of his talent. And then you think about, there's no other tackles listed on either of their big boards in the first round. So, you know, it's just interesting to think about this small pool that we're going to talk about is going to involve names that really maybe, you know, this is reaching for a lot of teams, not just the Giants. Any team that's in this tackle situation, they're going to be reaching for them. So that's kind of the footnote that I find really interesting about the direction the Giants are going to go because at that position, at number four overall, I can list Becton. I think you still want to keep Thomas in that mix there just because of his track record, even though a lot of people have him mocking or outside of the top 10 or right around there. I think Tristan Wirfs has to be listed in that group. His, his combine just shows off too much. And a lot of people around the league now, they're saying is that NFL teams are less concerned about left tackle, right tackle. They're just concerned about tackle, you know, about quality player. And I know there's that talk about him kicking inside, but he's really shown a ton at college and in the combine to maybe make teams feel like they can, they can set him in there at one of those tackle spots. Obviously, the linebacker, Simmons, is going to be there in an option for the Giants if you want to. I think it, it, you fans may not like this and it may be low percentage I think you have to include Okuda in this just because he is considered to be a top 5 talent in the draft and then the last one is going to be Brown the defensive lineman I, I you know he's considered to be a top 3 talent in this draft and just based on position he's going to fall down a little bit and other needs quarterback etc that's probably the six names that that I can put out there for you that I feel like are are reasonable, and, and even a couple of those may not be the most likely in the world. But those, there's probably six names. I would say those are six names that you mark at the fourth overall pick that the Giants are going to be pulling from. I'm leaving out Chase Young, obviously, because the 0.0001% the chance that he gets to us I don't think is worth talking about.
1: So uh, my board is similar to yours. I don't, uh, so I would include Jedrick Wills, the tackle from Alabama. Um, I would basically say that any of the four tackles that are on the board as first round picks, I do find it interesting that they don't necessarily have first round grades in terms of talent, but supply and demand in the NFL shows that uh, the offensive tackle position is a premium and people will trade up to get them. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm with you. I think that we talk about the four offensive tackles can be penciled in as don't be surprised if any of them get taken. I do think Simmons is on there as kind of the be-all, end-all Swiss Army knife that the, you know, defensive playmaker that we so desperately need. Um, I do think Chase Young is is on there, even though I know it's a, a fantasy land that we kind of live in. I do, To be honest with you, once we get past <laughs> Chase Young, I kind of think it's either one of the four offensive tackles, Okuda or... Simmons I, I think those are the only realistic players that the Giants can draft I I just if, if it comes out that they draft someone else I would be floored how, how would you feel if they, if they took
0: let's just say say they take Okuda because I you know because I feel like they take Simmons everybody's ecstatic right because it, it, you know what he does for the team and what he means and then flexibility the Swiss Army and all that great stuff they take a tackle you obviously know okay we're building for the future we're plugging this guy in great you know Okuda after having signed Bradbury like so much of that chatter on uh, around this has been well you know any of that speculation about Okuda you can take that right off the board how, how would you feel if the Giants you know took or would they hands down they say is the best prospect at the position in the draft by a significant margin over what would be uh, I think CJ Henderson being the next next cornerback that you'd look to see come off the board how, you know would, would it be discussed do you think that the Giants would be reaching would Gettleman be falling prey to looking at his board and best player available like let's say let's say Detroit takes Simmons at three so we take let's take Simmons out of the equation now and you're sitting there at four it's your choice of offensive tackle but Okuda is still available for you Uh,
1: I think we would be investing a lot of capital into the cornerback position which is not necessarily a horrible thing I just think it's a lot you know we traded back up in the draft to get DeAndre Baker we made James Bradbury one of the highest uh paid cornerbacks in the entire league you know we have Sam Beal that we went into the supplemental draft for we drafted Corey Ballantyne we kind of have four cornerbacks already you know we have Grant Haley if if you want to kind of throw him into the mix as well probably don't need to yeah, I mean, I'm just just saying. <laughs> you, know, you,
0: you, you can throw Julian Love into that mix, even as a safety, but you know the flexibility it, of position. Exactly the,
1: the way that the the fluidity of the secondary works. You know, we we kind of have a few guys that that are young talent that we can build around. I, I would kind of I get it. Okuda is a very special talent. It's just such a position. Like once we once we drafted a first round <laughs> cornerback last year, and then we sign the most expensive, you know, second most expensive one on the free agent market this year, it just doesn't feel like it, it's wisely spent at number four. And to be honest with you, I would kind of toss it back to you. And I joked about this on the, on the last podcast. I mean, I kind of feel, I don't know how I feel, but I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. And number, <laughs> I think I'm, I think. I'm all, I'm all turned over about this because now you're, you're making me think, well, knowing Gettleman, like he does go best position available. Maybe I do have to expand my little bubble that I have. You know, Jerry Judy is considered the most polished wide receiver in this draft, and they say that he is, you know, a surefire, you know, pro bowler at, at the very least. If the Giants said at four they wanted to take a wide receiver, would you feel it's more egregious, less egregious than than taking Akuda? Like, where do you stand in that comparison? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I – I don't think – I wouldn't be blown away or
0: disgusted by it because Judy is an elite talent at the position – I just think that maybe it's the combination of the depth at that position over the course of the draft that it makes you feel like, again, you look at Okuda and and a drop off is probably a bad term to use, but the difference between Okuda and then the second best cornerback versus between Jerry Judy and the second best wide receiver, I don't know if you're ever going to see that difference play out on Sunday in the NFL. It doesn't mean that Jerry Judy isn't going to be the best wide receiver out of this class But just in terms of the stats and how it impacts games, I think that you're going to find some of these other athletes at that position that can do similar things for you. And then also combined with the existing talent you have, right? The giants have Saquon Barkley and you just got the, the Slayton piece really impacts this stuff, right? You just got a guy in the fifth round. that seems like he's going to be able to grow into a big talent for you. And this is a deeper class this year. So I wouldn't be shocked by it, I guess, but I wouldn't be in favor of it. I'll tell you that right now. You know, We're debating here maybe the idea of Okuda and then would they go Jerry Judy. I think the other reason, too, real quickly is that if you were to take a guy like Judy there, you start to put yourself in a bad position for the rest of the draft. You know, Maybe likewise for Okuda, but I think that you're adding to the defense and you can theorize a position of need based on what you saw from Baker. And even in the, in the long-term big picture, Three, two years from now, if you move on from Badbury or three years when his contract is up, all of a sudden at you know, Okuda, who will be going into his, you know, next look to extend him on his post-rookie deal, now you, you're ready at that cornerback position. And that's why I wouldn't be totally uh, against if they took him there. The other thing yeah. that I... Does that mean, I mean you can you can get? Does that make sense to you? The idea yeah. that like, hey, you can still build for the future, not knowing if Sam Beal or even Baker is going to pan out for you. You technically, right now, only have one proven commodity, and that's Bradbury,
1: right? Yeah, I think I think you're you're onto something, and I would I would further that and say we keep talking about how deep the wide receiver draft class is this year. You know, we're talking about guys. You're talking about Claypool. Um, I'm talking about Pittman there, there's a host of guys that you can get second third to even to the fifth round mm-hmm. that we feel like could come in and be a fringe starter in year one so to be able to take a top five pick and use it in, in an area where it's already so deep that may not be the the number one position to need just would, would seem a little reckless to me
0: yeah and the 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 uh, you and I both I think have to dive a little bit deeper on that wide receiver class to see what we can accomplish later in the draft because i I, I chose to fall in love with Claypool and that was it for me uh, you know so figuring out where the giants could go so that you flesh out the draft a little more. Likewise, for the reason why you can have this kind of conversation around taking best available player at four is because it's also a deep offensive tackle, offensive line class as well. So depending on how they view things internally, you can still accomplish things across the offensive line in the second, third, and even fourth rounds, depending on what position you're looking at. Center can obviously be one you look at a little bit later on. The thing I wanted to throw back at you real quick, though, was how do you feel if the Giants take Brown? You want to go best player available he ranks out as being a, the best player over Okuda over Jerry Judy. I think it goes what three, four, five in that order in terms of the player rankings I mean,
1: yeah, so it, the player rankings according to ESPN, uh, just on pure overall grade, forget about position you know any of that stuff, it goes Chase Young, Joe Burrow, and then Derek Brown at number three. I I'm totally against Derek Brown at number three. <laughs> Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be more against it, and it has nothing to do with the player. It has everything to do with, to do with roster construction. You know, we just spent $60 million on Leonard Williams. We've got Dexter Lawrence. We've got Dalvin Tomlinson. We have B.J. Hill. That, that is, of all the areas, I would say, let's just shy away from the defensive line for maybe five seconds, even though Gettleman loves hog mollies. It's just not an area of need.
0: Yeah, and I, don't, I won't linger on this too long, but I'm Dave Gettleman. I look at my roster, and I say, you know what? Am I, am I bringing back Tomlinson? On a new deal after this upcoming season, I got I got to answer that question for myself, and then I have to take a look at Leonard Williams, and I have to say, I I tagged him for this season. Did I tag him because I want to extend him? Or did I tag him because I want to get value out of the trade that I made and I don't intend on bringing him back next year either? Because then again, when you look at that defensive line, all of a sudden you're talking about opening up a couple of holes and how do you plan on filling it? Doesn't mean there aren't available bodies later in the draft that the Giants could look to add to this certainly, but that could be the mindset that Dave Gettleman takes if he wants to go that route. I think in in declining order, I would say Okuda would be the more, the, probably the most likely player that the Giants would take if it wasn't tackle, you know, if you're not going with the obvious and Simmons isn't available. And then I probably think it, it's, Der- it's probably Derek Brown. And then Jerry Judy, to me, falls well below that, that, that list there, uh, because I just don't think the Giants view that as a necessity at that high of a draft pick.
1: Yeah. So basically, I think we've circled the the number at about six, maybe seven, depending on what you like. I, I, are you are you calling it out right now on the podcast that there's not a conceivable, there's zero percent chance that Jerry Judy goes at number four to the Giants? Are you uh, ready to Are you ready to call that one?
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 I I I I don't see them doing it. I, even if they even if they loved him, and I don't. Maybe I shouldn't be as you know torn about this. Even if they love Jerry Judy's skill set, again. The class is too deep at the position. You have too many other needs that outrank that first, and that have available players for you to take at that position. Whether it's offensive line, whether it's cornerback, and even if it was D- Derek Brown, I would under I I would recognize and understand the theory behind that a lot better than I could with Jerry Judy. Again, because by third or fourth round, there's options there. Wide receiver. You just did this. You just did it last year with Slayton. You don't need to dip into that pool and pay. Right out the gate, you know, a pretty big contract to a, a, pr- a premier position. That also, by the way, historically doesn't lead you to winning championships or winning games, right? We, we went through this with Odell Beckham Jr. It didn't necessarily lead to the W's on the scorecard that we hoped for. So
1: if and, and so for me, if Dave Gettleman selects Derek Brown, I will stand up, walk out of my house, scream. And Mm -hmm. I will take a lap around my house because I can't go to the bar because we're still social distancing at this moment in time. But I will be beside myself. So, you wait. Do you go down? They draft Eric Brown. You go
0: downstairs and out your front door. Like, you don't, or you you don't just go to the balcony.
1: I I could go to the balcony, but I might need, uh, like, I don't, I'm afraid I'd jump off. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. You go
0: out, you scream, and then both hands go onto the railing, one leg's over. And then Otto just pokes his head out the door. He cocks his head to the side, so- heads you know slightly to the
1: side, and you just bring that leg right back I, over, friend. I, I need to get to ground level just in case I faint as well. Like there's mm-hmm. a couple of different scenarios that are running through my head. So for me, if if Derek Brown is the name that's called with all of the areas that we need to focus on, I yeah, I will be beside myself.
0: Yeah, let's let, let's be clear. These are some interesting thoughts that we're having. I don't think that this is the way that it goes. I'm also a little concerned that I went to auto first. Ahead of your wife, lovely woman, Kelly, ahead of your, chi- ahead of your child, I just really went, I, again, first love, I think. I, I don't know for sure. I know you met Kelly before you had Otto, but I, listen, it's, it's all mixed up in my head. The bottom line is, I, I think that we, we, we know where the Giants are going. It's a very shrinking pool at the top of the draft. The only curiosity is going to be that best player available mentality. We just experienced this with Saquon Barkley and Dave Gettleman, right? The, 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 the caveat being, Was that a pick that he made in conjunction with the mayor saying, let's compete and go for a championship, and this is why I take Saquon Barkley, versus now, where it feels like he's getting to run the offseason the way he wants to. Seems like him and Joe Judge are in nice lockstep with some of the free agency signings that they've made. So I'll be very curious to see where they go. And obviously, we still got plenty of time to debate that. Before we get out the door, Andy, I did want to throw something out here. We talked about free agency. We've had a couple more signings here. There's still a lot of players available. I have a, I have a scenario for the back end of the defense, but before I pose it to you, anywhere that you're looking in terms of available players out there that you feel like the Giants should look to add, most likely you know veteran minimum, something along
1: those lines, just to give some depth on this roster? I mean, I'm still looking at Marcus Golden out there. I mm-hmm. mean, we could really use a pass rushing, you know, defensive end or outside linebacker, whichever position you want to call it in, in, the, in the defense. I mean, he's, you know, you see Jordan Jenkins signed back with the Jets uh, for about $5 million. Uh, Does that mean that the older, you know, Marcus Golden may be around 5 to $7 million, as opposed to that $12 million we were talking about before? You know, at, at, a, at a lower number on a guy that you're familiar with while you're trying to, to build something, you know, signing signing Marcus Golden to a two-year, you know, $15 million deal doesn't seem too crazy anymore, does it?
0: No, listen, I, you know, again, on Twitter, I've been going back and forth with a lot of people about this. So you know, Everyone loves Golden, you know, really feel like that. That 10-sack number jumps off the page at you from last season. Now, I, I like him as well. I've combated it by just saying you have to realize that sacks are the product of the effort of the rest of the team as well, right? So you know, defensive line, occupying the tackles and giving you some space to get around that edge, et cetera. I like him. I didn't like him at that 12 million dollar a year, you know, Mark. I didn't like him at 29 years old and giving him a multi-year contract. But if you can bring him back in, like you said, in that five to seven million a year range, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be against giving him. You know, a two-year deal, maybe you know, with club option in year two. So if he has a strong first season, and then you can see how the draft plays out, just so that you know you're stabilized there. I'd be happy to bring him back at 30 years old as the team is growing and building. But that initial free agency number was just too much for me, and I I wonder now a team like the Rams is out there. They've lost a lot of their linebacker and edge core in free agency, so I think they're going to be in the market. So I I still think that there's enough of interest in him and people are just letting all the dust settle teams are letting the dust settle in free agency. I still think that there's going to be a team out there that'll be willing to pay him more than what we mark him at. And you said five to seven. I think that we're probably capped saying, yeah, we'll give you a one year, you know, $5 million deal, but that's probably the ceiling. And I think someone else will be willing to go an extra, an extra million or an extra two, or maybe the extra year on the contract that the giants just don't, just don't want to commit to with golden.
1: Yeah, and the, the crazy thing is, you know, $76 million in cap space doesn't go as far along as it used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're pretty much bumping up against the top of of the available cap space we have. Now, there's a couple of different moves with guys like Spencer Pulley that we could free up a couple more million here or there that could go into getting Marcus Golden into the building. But, you know, if anyone thinks we're in on Everson Griffin or if anyone thinks that we're getting Jadavian Clowney, you can... Definitely write those off because those guys are way out of the price range based on how much the Giants have remaining in free agency. Yeah. And by the way, one of the things that you're going to see happen too
0: is after the draft, once teams, you know, see how they filled in additional needs for themselves, then as you get towards the training camp and the off-season programs, you're going to see teams cutting players, you know, players are going to get released. We may make some of those moves, like you said, pulley. If we get a guy in the draft that plugs in at center, okay. Maybe we don't need pulling out. Now you can start to take away a little bit of that money and put it over somewhere else and fill out the roster. So all the teams are going to start to do this, and that's that's really where I think the Giants are going to live from a free agency perspective and filling out the last little bit of depth here. And to your point, no, we're, we're not going back in for a big name, even if it is on the one-year prove-it deal. Uh, you can go ahead and take those players off your table because I, I, the Giants just aren't committing to it. If they were going to, they would have been – you would have seen this stuff happen, right? When the league collectively takes a big step back from players in free agency, there's reasons behind it. And I think not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's what we said about Javian Clowney, right? That We didn't want to see the Giants offering him some type of monster $20 million a year contract. And from all the looks of it, the league didn't want to offer that either. So we'll see how it plays out and where the Giants look to fill additional needs. When I look around in free agency and I look at the Giants roster, I still go back end and I take a look at that safety position. I'm gonna throw out some stat lines here. We're going tackles, assists, and INTs 78, 16, and 2, 80, 12, and 3, 65, 14, and 3, 62, 18, and 5. Nice numbers there, right? Let me throw out a little comparison for you 61, 16, and 0, that one hurt, but then 85, 13, and 4, 47, 9, and 4, 39, 4, and 3. 56-5-3. 56-5-3. A little bit less in terms of the tackle numbers, but I like the interception production. The first set of numbers that I gave you was HaHa Clinton-Dix, the gentleman that you hoped the Giants were going to bring in and obviously sign with our division rival in the Dallas Cowboys, which stings. The second set of numbers is Demarius Randle, who's still out there in free agency at the safety position. He's 27, going to be 28 years old this upcoming season. Pro football focus last few years, 69 and a half this past season, year before 72.8. He's a top 15 player in the secondary in terms of interception production over these last handful of years. Obviously had a goose egg this past season. How do you feel about bringing in a player like that? There is another one out there in in Von Bell, who's valued at around four and a half million on a one-year deal, but he's a guy that is a more in-the-box player Whereas I think Demaryius Randall represents deep coverage, allow Peppers to move around, allow Julius Love to, Julian Love to move around the field for you as well. This would be one of those, those value signs I think the Giants could still make in free agency.
1: I think he's still available, not necessarily because of his play, but uh, there are also rumblings that uh, he has some issues off the field, not related to football. And Oh, interesting pure speculation, but he also got benched for a game uh, during the past season as a coach's decision because of something that he did either in practice or in the locker room. So I think there's, you know, he's kind of a mercurial type of character that people are kind of shying away from him a little bit because his production would, would suggest that he would probably be signed right now. Um, but it, I, it's, forgot, I forgot about that incident from last year, though. I, 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 I remember that now. Yeah, and so and so teams are kind of doing their due diligence on Demaryius Randall, just saying, look, if it's a one-off, we've all had had issues, whatever, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, no, not everyone's a choir boy, but at the same time, you know, I think teams are just kind of sitting back and 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 having to think about it. And like you said, you know, Von Bell is a more stout in the box safety. He's he's very similar to the guy that we let go in Landon Collins, who was allowed to sign in free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't mind bringing someone in that, that, that's in that position because that also will allow Jabril Peppers to kind of roam and, and do the things that he does well with his athleticism. So there's a couple of different safety signings that I would like. I know that you're high on Julian Love. I still think we could definitely use another safety of veteran leadership safety in, in the room as we go into, you know, pre, pre, finishing free agency and into the draft.
0: Yeah, and Bell's a guy who has 80-plus tackles the last four seasons, You know, gives you a sack and a half, Had three years ago had four and a half sacks. So you like his production, like you said, and what it frees up for other players in the secondary. But you know, anything over a veteran minimum right now might feel like too much for the Giants until the dust settles after the draft. And, of course, as we see some other players come free from some of the teams around the league. That's going to do it for us here on this one. I, I think that, listen, we covered a lot. You thought it was just going to be about Coleman and Lewis, but no, 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 friends. We do it all here. As we always say, you can follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast and head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast fulfilled. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And friends, if you're looking for a little extra content in these dark sports-free times, uh, I will be getting back onto to Sportscaster doing some of the mock draft scenarios. Andy has rightfully kept me from going over my 73 mock drafts here on the podcast. So you can head over there for some of that bonus content. And then starting on April 1, we're really going to start to dive in on some of the profiles of our free agent pickups as well as draft prospects. So a little bit of bonus content for you Giants fans out there. That's going to do it for us, friends. And, and as we always say...
1: Let's go, Big Blue. You're what I call a treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Drop that bass. Oh! Uh, like a, a runner who like came up and started celebrating right before the finish line. and Someone ran right past them and took the, took the first place. Oh yeah, I put my hands up in the air. I had both I both them out. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, let's try it again. Nice and fresh.